Hello, I'm Cahal Summers. And I'm Georgia Glenn. You're Chagas Sustainability Advisors. And you're welcome to the Chagas Environment Edge podcast, bringing you the latest information, science and opinion to improve farm sustainability. On this episode, Kevin O'Hanlon, who is a dairy farm manager in Wexford, chats to us about how he's getting on with multi-species words. We are also joined by Dr. Thomas Maloney, Product and Technical Manager with DLF Ireland to discuss the many benefits of multi-species words and why they should be considered when receding. With multi-species words quickly becoming the new buzzword on Irish farms, should you take the next step and sow a few hectares? Multi-species swards offer an opportunity to increase yields at a low nitrogen inputs, which is attractive from both a cost and environmental perspective. Research shows us that we can increase biodiversity, become more drought resistant, improve live weight gain, and it can also help control internal parasites in animals, to name but a few of the benefits. So, how many species should we sow? What plants? And how is Kevin getting on with weed control and sward? I started off by asking Kevin to tell me a bit about the type of farming he's doing. We're a kind of three-way system in Cavan, his dairy farm. Uh, we have uh, roughly 160 to 180 cows, depending on time of year, uh, with cows being dry and calving, um, mostly off grass, the majority of it. Uh, we buffer feed in the spring in the back end. Um, so, yeah, we do a small bit of beef as well, um, and we grow uh beans, oats and barley also for home home feeding. Excellent. Thomas, can you tell us a little bit about your role and how you started to work with Kevin? Yeah, um, I suppose I'm the product manager with DLF and uh, my role is to kind of try and find the next best thing or um, new products, new grass varieties and things like that and bring them to the market. And um, with Kevin, um, I kind of bumped into him on Twitter, I think it was originally. Uh, we were trying to do a trial ourselves with uh, another one of our partner farmers. We were trying to oversow plantain into a, an existing grass ward. And we put it, uh, it turns out Kevin was doing the same thing, <laughs> I think almost the same day. And I saw it on Twitter. So kind of got chatting then and uh, went out to see what he was at and, and kind of just went from there. There's a very big interest um, among farmers at the moment about multi-species wards. Where do you think this has all come from and how do you think will it benefit a farmer? Yeah, it's the explosion in the interest in the last year and maybe two years is probably to coincide with the uh, publication of the research from Ireland and mainly the, the results. The first big project on multi-species, um, the Smart Grass Project up in UCD. Uh, that I was part of and that starts in 2014, finished 2018. So the, the results of that are only becoming published and there's follow-on work now starting again in UCD and kind of starting to trickle around Chagas as well. So we're starting to get more and more information and uh, Irish information, which is I suppose, the most important thing. Um, and we're really seeing the benefits of it, of it here in Ireland from the research. And a huge amount of work's been done in Johnson Castle over the last number of years with John Finn and, and a lot of work up there as yeah. well, looking at, I suppose, multiple benefits, Thomas. What are the main benefits, I suppose, that you think the multi-species spores are bringing to the table? Sometimes it seems too good to be true, the benefits of multi-species spores. They kind of, it seems to take nearly every box. And uh, from a production point of view, and um, probably most topical at the minute is you can you can produce probably the same amount of, of forage to dry matter yield with, with a lot less nitrogen, as, as Kevin will probably tell us in a while. Um, it's also it's good quality forage and um, we talk about seasonal if there's good seasonal production in it as well we always we know the, the grass growth curve uh, fairly well at this stage and the glut of grass that we get at the end of May around this time of the year um, but in a multi-species sward there's kind of two peaks on that curve 
and you get a lot better summer production, which is something that I suppose we're all after and trying to improve profitability. It's one of the avenues that, that would do so. And um, so there's a lot of benefits uh, that we could go into, yeah. Yeah, and I suppose, Kevin, like uh, I came across you on Twitter as well. And the reason I suppose probably drawn towards you a lot is because you put up a lot of what you do. And it's really interesting for us anyway to see how it's the practical application on the ground, how you actually implement them and, and how it's working from, from a perspective of someone on a commercial farm. So I think that's really good for farmers to see as well. And I know a lot, a lot of people are following you and keep an eye on what you're up to. But I, I know Thomas has mentioned a couple of benefits there, but what was the main thing that drew you into multi-species swords from your probably grown monoculture grass and, and maybe a bit of clover over the last number of years? Why did you make the jump? Uh, yeah, we would have been mainly monocultures and we would have been incorporating uh, clover um, over the last few years just to cut back on nitrogen. Uh, with the multi-species, I suppose I'd seen it in the DLF brochure and I kind of went off myself then and um, kind of looked into it uh, in New Zealand, different places, different, the chicory and the plantain and everything on their own. And then sort of obviously got talking to Thomas and I said the uh, only way we'd know is if we put it in ourselves, kind of. Um, so we went and overseas our paddock. Um, went and overseas our paddock, and like it was for the kind of. There was a lot of different things coming through. Uh, you're less fertilizer now. We put no fertilizer on it. Uh, we cut fertilizer completely on the multi-species swords, uh, because I wanted to see what what would they do effectively without um any any inputs. Uh, just to see, and um, we, I suppose, what there was a few things drew to us the health benefits, the less nitrogen, and also we were at the time uh, we were thinking about going organic, and it kind of that's why I said I tried this for the last whatever it is, uh, 12 or 14 months now, or that uh, to see could we manage without nitrogen, or how would it, um, how would it react to having no nitrogen, and would it still go, and what way would it, would it go. Um, so yeah, there's a few things drew us to it. Uh, a few different. Then obviously we're a very very dry farm. We're out extremely early in the spring. We out like we're out since the second of January this year. We only missed five days day grazing, and the cows went out full time in March. Then so we're very dry. And like during the drought of eighteen, like we burnt up in in way before any farm around us. Um, so the other side was the drought resistance as well uh, came through as well. That um, hopefully that will help us if. Hopefully we won't get our PV in, but if we do, we might have more tolerance for it. Thomas, what mix would you suggest um, for a farmer starting out? So you have your wet soil mixes and you have your dry soil mixes. Kevin alluded to the fact that he's from a dry area. Um, I'm originally from the west of Ireland, so I'd be more more interested in sort of a, a wet mix. Um, so what would you suggest going out? Are, like, are farmers buying um, a six or a seven variety mix? Um, from the merchants just pre-done? I would say the beauty of the multi-species concept is that you have a range of species in the mixture and there isn't one. They're, they're, they're all suited to their own to their own conditions. So you mentioned wet and dry soils within, say, the six species mix that would be probably the most commonly sown one is the one that's used in all the research. That would have two or three species that would probably particularly like the wet side of things or they'd like a drier soil. So you're you're covered, but I think they're more versatile than we than we might think. And and by there might not necessarily be the need to to put them into their categories of a wet mixture or a dry mixture. I think the six species mix we get will do a lot of soil, a lot of soil types unless you're in really extreme conditions. But I think it's a good place to start. Brilliant. And then can these um, be adopted then to a highly stocked regime? Um, are there issues around set stocking, um, or, you know, in, in a cattle situation? Um, what's the story around that? Yes. Yeah, so I guess 
they're they are an, a low input a low input sword and you probably think that that wouldn't suit a more a higher input system but as i said earlier on you're getting the same production and um, you're getting the same yields of forage for for a lot, a lot less nitrogen so um, it depends on what way you're coming at it from. If you're a higher stock, a lot of the higher stock farmers are coming to us now, like Kevin, and they're looking to reduce their nitrogen because of policy changes that might be coming down the tracks or whatever. And um, so it's working there for them, and it seems to be able to fit in with their their tree root rotation. And um, the paddock system would suit it really well. Uh, in terms of persistency, set stocking not so good. Um, so get your animals in for your, for a day grazing or two days or whatever it is, uh, short term, and get them out and allow the sward to recover. If you leave them set stocked, they'll go back and they'll pick out their favorites and their favorites are usually the least persistent. So that'll, that'll uh, hinder the persistence of the overall sword. So the rotation length will be between 21 and 28 days, is it? We're, which, yeah. which is more favorable? I would uh, say rotation length. we're still trying to, they're still trying to figure that out on the research side of things. But I would say yeah, 21 to 28, you're probably leaning somewhere in between that. The longer, the better, I would say. But so far, like Kevin might tell us, uh, it seems to be fitting into his 21 days and even less. But I, in the back of my mind, I'm conscious that it probably prefers the, the longer, slightly longer rotation if you can. And it prefers a 12 hour grazing versus a 36, is it? Yeah, I'd say get, get them in as quick as you can, just to prevent that the, the animals going back and picking out their favourite favorite uh their favorite species yeah yeah exactly yeah and kevin i suppose going back to the practical application on the farm when, when you went out there you went on the six species mix was it what's in that six species mix uh chicory plantain uh red and white clovers and then your uh grasses um, yeah and how, grass varieties thomas will tell you that part yeah it's just a standard how did you go about planting sowing kevin did you do a full plow job or did you did you over sow or what way did it go uh, the first paddock we put in was um, I oversold it just to try and see. So it was um, I grazed the paddock really tight. It was very very tight to graze, and um, I went in then with the disc, and we have a broadcast seeder set up on top of the disc. So as I went, um, as I dissed the field, that was only a light disc, and so the grass was still there, kind of. Um, so it was only light disc, and I went across it and um, broadcast the seed as I went. And uh, come in then just rolled it and uh, put in dry, dry cows within it then for about nine days, eight, nine days after sowing, after we rolled it, um, to stop the regrowth of the grass, just to check it, to keep it down. Um, now, now was, the paddock was grazed there anyway, but it was just to check the grass as it starts to regrow, to give the plants a, a chance to establish, just to get going, to get light down to the, down to the soil. Yeah, and did you did, did you give it a shot of watery slurry or anything after you planted or what what would you think? Uh, no, that, that paddock got absolutely nothing. Uh, that the one we oversold has got nothing since we oversold it whenever it was 13 or 14 months ago, it's got nothing. Uh, then we had another two paddocks we done. Uh, we sprayed them off um, and they got they were one of them was this twice and on the second disc and I broadcast the seed. Um, that was only yet again, it was only a lightish, it wasn't we weren't going down very deep, uh, just getting enough soil to get, or tearing up enough soil just to get the seed soil to contact. Um, so we did one of them twice, uh, rolled that down and left it. That was it. Um, there was no fertilizers, no slurries went on that um, after being sown. And then we had another small paddock and a child um, just going over it once. We sprayed it off and I just went over it once with the disc. Now, I went so light on that one, I nearly couldn't see where we're going. Um, that when, it, when I went to the far headland, I nearly didn't know where I was at the disc and I was that like, but that came up established perfect as well. They came up the same as the other one. Um, and that got rolled and they were just left off then. No inputs at all on them since they went in. 
And would you would you think would it need a couple of bags, ten, ten, twenty, rotten in when you're sowing, or is your index is quite good on your peas and k's? The index will be very, fairly good here. Uh, we soil test every two years, um, and so we would have had everything kind of, um, and even now they're gone organic or going organic in conversion. Um, we'd be still keeping an eye because um, your peas and that are still there for they're still available to put out if you're starting to dip. Um, so, but we mainly go with watery slurry behind the cows. Um, all we follow them every second rotation, they get the paddocks get watery slurry behind them. Uh, but as regards the, yeah, I suppose the first thing we get a soil test and know what you're dealing with first off. Um, like you can't go in blind. Um, like right, I was able to go out and put no fertilizer on it because I knew we were three index three and four for P and K. But if you're going out to do a paddock that's only index one for the boat. And you bring the multi species well. It mightn't, it mightn't strike because it won't get the root structure with the with the lack of pea. Like so, um, yeah, you'd uh, you your soil test the first thing, and then you can kind of go from there and make up your mind after that. Yeah, and presuming maybe Thomas, this might be more on for you, but um, the pH, and I presume the lime and getting the lime up around six point three is probably quite important as well on the pH. Yeah. Yeah, so when you're I suppose when you're doing your soil fertility or you're you're managing these wards in general, you're kind of playing to the most finicky species so in there you've got your clovers which we know like uh, a good high ph of around 6.3 and the the chicory maybe the same as a bit of a fussy one as well so you you want to you want to keep your ph up yeah definitely to give yourself the best chance of these yeah and I, i've been on a few farms though lately and and there's a lot of lads start to try a couple of acres here and there and kevin you have a good few planted i think at the moment don't you and you plan to do more yeah we have um i think it's turkey seven or eight I think is in at the moment between over so on and so on and different things yeah uh, straight not we'll get the whole farm into a bit later <laughs> yeah no, it is interesting here yeah the one thing that a lot of lads are saying to me is they're, they're worried about well persistence is one but the first thing they're worried about and we're talking about sowing and getting it in and, and getting getting it established but what's the story at weeds how are you getting on as regards weeds is it holding weeds back the, the researchers tell us it is but on the ground yeah it's, there's there's docks through it but they're not there's 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 not a huge amount around. Like there's no different to other paddocks, but um, like we, there's only a few docks through the multi-species, but they seem to be nearly, um, they seem to be almost, uh, how would you say, swamping them out or covering them out, the multi-species in that. Uh, like this spring was wasn't great, as everybody knows. Um, so the the clovers only start to kind of kick in once the heat comes in. Um, and like they're only starting to kick in now because like it's been kind of coolish up till, up till now. Um, so like once they get going, they kind of we we have no real weed problems. We haven't got weed problems in either of the paddocks as such. Like there's the odd dock through them, but like, the cows here tend to sweep all the docks because uh, I don't know whether that's because of um the low nitrogen uh, levels that have been going out over the last few years that their docks are not sour or I don't know I am um, why well every time they go into a paddock they'll just sweep every dock off and there's never an issue that never they never get to see it go that way. You could rent them cows out to clean docks. <laughs> I don't know. It could, it could be just the nitrogen, the lack of nitrogen that's not souring them. I don't know. That's just my own theory. I haven't got a clue. Um, yeah. I just, yeah. I don't know. And look, that's if there's only a few docks in it and they weren't eating them, it's easy enough to spot spray them if you had to anyway. Because um, I know you can't go over, you can't, we can't go post emergency spray with multi species wards. But I, I, thought, I think the research has shown us, John Finn was presented from John, research in Johnson Castle lately, was showing that once it establishes well initially, I think the weed persistence, Thomas, probably it's only, you're only about talking about three, four percent or something over three years, which is, which if you compare it to a monoculture, it goes from, you know, five percent up to 15 percent within the three years, which is that massive benefit. 
a lot of the research, like it's like John Finn's uh, and a lot of what we're seeing on the ground is, is, is following through on that research. Like Kevin said, he does have a few docs, but it seems that they're, they're being kept in check by the, by the diversity in the competition from the other plants. They're only small, they're small docs. Like they're not, they're not the big, big, huge docs that you'd see in a grass field. So yeah, it seems that once you get your, your species, your six species, say the ones that come out of the bag established and, and in the sward, uh, that, they, they, they seem to do a fairly good job of naturally managing the, the weeds and sword weeds. Yeah, and Kevin, the other big question that always comes up and interests to see what you have to say is um, the, the feared word bloat. How are you getting on with bloat or any cases or how are you managing that? Um, we'll see, we have clover in uh, most of the swords at this stage. Um, so we never really had an issue with bloat. Um, there was, there's always clover there. So they're, they're just, the animals are used to clover. They're used to having clover. Um, so yeah, we never have, we never had an issue with uh, with much species, um, or with uh, grassland because it's just it's always been um, it's always been incorporated when we're putting when we're doing the research, always bring clover because sure you're effectively getting free nitrogen for the summer months. Yeah, no, it's it's a fair point. And Deirdre, you probably have come across this as well that if there is parts of the farm that don't have clover, or maybe in the earlier parts of the year when the clover is is, is not there as much. I, from what my experience is a lot of lads using it as long as you don't let hungry hungry cows into a big paddock full of clover from a non-clover paddock you won't really have an issue uh, no. so that's that's an important point to make for anyone listening I suppose So in terms Thomas this is one for you and possibly for Kevin as well in terms of increased benefits um, from the multi-species grasslands are you seeing anything in relation to um, parasitic control and also mineral content? Are there are there many benefits um, in the multi-species um, wards in terms of minerals and parasitic control? Um, yeah, and for for minerals, there definitely is. The the likes of chicory and plantain would have a really high mineral content, and um, probably because they're 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 deeper roots pulling minerals up from from deeper down the soil. Uh, I think copper is one of the copper and zinc, um, magnesium, things like that are, are fairly rich in, in chicory, especially. And um, parasitic control then probably, yeah, there's there is there's work to show that there's a natural anthelmintic effect from, from chicory. Um that, that animals grazing grazing swords containing chicory need to have a lower worm burden, need to be dosed less, less often than those not. So yeah, the, the research would suggest that. And I guess that's probably one of the more complicated or more complex things to measure out on farm for farmers to notice. But I'm sure as as time goes on, we'll, we'll be getting hearing those reports back as well. Tommy, Tommy Boland up in UC and Helen Sheridan or, or have found research yeah. on that that yeah, they're doing egg counts, fecal yes, egg right. counts on sheep. Yes, that's, that's a real intensive a, sampling effort. Uh, so we're probably relying on the research side of things to tell us tell us a bit about that. I'm going to move on to silage um, and silage production. So how do you feel, um, Thomas, this is a question first to you. Um, how do the multi-species wards do when they're baled or they're put in to, into silage? Yeah, uh, silage is a topic close to my heart, my own focus on my own studies uh, a few years ago. With the multi-species sward and even might we're going to talk about measuring as well, the difference between a multi-species sward and a grass regular grass sward is it's probably the dry matter content so the the multi-species would have a really low dry matter content because of the legumes and because of the herbs depending on their their growth stage so that's your main issue around ensiling you need to make sure that you're cutting a dry crop and you're giving it a good enough wilt and if you do this you will make silage from a multi-species sward and um, it just takes a bit more kind of thinking or a bit more a bit more care um I like I would I'm reluctant to say to go sow your full silage ground, Kevin, into a 
into multi-species wards, I, like it's a big, it, it could be a big risk if you don't get the weather, if it doesn't go right, you know, but um, in terms of like your paddock system and, and taking off surface bales, I'd have no issue as long as you're, as long as you're following the, the right procedure, um, then, then there shouldn't be an issue if the bales seem to be good. And there's research coming out of UCD as well, with where they're making silage and I think they're, they're following it up and the animals perform, perform pretty well over the winter on the, on the bale silage as well. So you'll be getting good DMGs with your bale silage. Yeah, yeah. The quality on, is, on the is multi- just as good. Yeah. That's excellent. That's yeah. very good to know. Yeah. Have you chanced any silage, Kevin, yet? Or um, like that? I, we have. We, we did an experiment, I suppose. Um, we put in peas, oats and barley and we undersowed. This, there's uh, four, it's a 12 acre field and we did four different sections, three, three acre paddocks down the field and underneath the peas, oats and barley in one of them, we put a six species sward. Um, undersold under the arable crop. Um, and then uh, we'll bale them individually, the paddocks down along, and we'll test them to see how they go against each other. Um, I'm going to have one of the paddocks here on the farm uh, this summer just to see. It's, it's like I said, Tom, you won't know unless you try yourself uh, different jokes. Um, so the, whatever it is, we better than licking cement in March anyway. <laughs> True. I, I know you see have mixed got some mixed results early on, Thomas. You're probably familiar with this, but um, I think uh, the big thing there you're talking about dry matter. I think the minute you mow, you want to tether it out to make sure it gets a good dry and try and give it maybe a day and a half's wilt. Um, I think that was the big thing that that they found. I think um, I know farmers this year silage season is probably a bit more tricky with the weather, but look, that's 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 probably look. The other thing on that I'll make a point is that. You know, often when we test silage um, grass before it's cutting, sometimes the nitrates are high and the sugars are low. So often, look, our advice, if that's the case, is if you're going to cut, you have to wilt anyway for that day and a half and you have to tet out. The big mistake I would see farmers sometimes making is if they just leave it in big rows, big machinery, big rows, and they think they're leaving it for a wilt for a day, day and a half, but it's actually not drying. So I think that tedding out is, I know it might be an extra expense, but I think it's important to get good quality silage. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Just another question on the on on the silage. Um, you have your red clover and you've got your white clover. Would red clover be better if you're if you were trying to target a, a nice silage mix in the multi species rather than the white clover? Yeah. So, um, say if if you were looking for a specific silage mix that you were only going to be cutting, really, I would probably do a kind of a different mix, and I'd have the like. It'd be probably red clover grass based. Um, whereas. Okay. Uh, I I wonder about the benefits sometimes of, of chicory and plantain in a in a in a specific silage ward. Just the the time the profile the, the growth profiles the same the timing of of their flowering and, and the rest of it might not might not suit a, a longer a long a really long rest period um, that you get with a silage cut. Right, and Cahill has a massive interest in um, compaction and grassland, and he probably he probably ask you something around this himself. But would would the chicory and the legumes and say like if you were using yarrow or um, lucerne or in the mix, you know, with the rooting systems, would that would that help or assist and and then increase um, yields um, over time? Definitely, yeah. And soil quality, I didn't mention earlier on, but soil improving soil quality is probably one of the, the benefits of these forts as well. As you said, the, the deep roots, some of these, maybe the chicories could go down and some of the other lesser herbs could go down two meters into the ground. And as That's you're, brilliant, you've yeah. got a, a, like you've got a, you've got a serious root profile all the way down through there and the different species are filling in different mm-hmm. gaps and um, open up pore space and stuff like that. Um, and just allowing water to escape. And then there's probably evidence that they'd, they'd help with pans and compaction, like you said. Yeah, yes, exactly. that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
so yeah, they've like got so, multiple some, benefits. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so some of us that are really interested in the soil side of the house and environment are getting very excited because uh, for someone like me who's digging digging soil for a good few years, if I went out into one of your multi-suite swars, Kevin, if you go home this evening and do it and dig a cube, like I'd say it'll be fairly crumbly um, the minute you dig it up. And compaction is a massive issue across all dairy farms that I would come across in Ireland, um, in particular if you're moderately to heavily stocked. So I think this this is a big solution with that that mixture of root systems, different lengths and thicknesses. Uh, the other thing that I like I really like about it is that it, it's improving biodiversity. You're actually I think you see you're showing that there's much higher earthworm counts as well in the in around the, that that kind of growing system, which is going to do a lot of work for you in in, in in breaking up ground. But the other thing I suppose though that's really on the agenda is carbon storage. Thomas, uh, it can do a little bit of a job on carbon and and maybe. For, for a number of years, we've been put, looking to put carbon in the top maybe 10, 15 centimetres. Is the potential to shove it down a bit further? Yeah, and that's probably correlated with the deeper root system as well. I think there's some, there's, I've, I've seen results from, I think it's Rothamstad in the UK, who are looking at carbon. Um, I'm not sure if the study's completed yet, but their initial results are showing exactly that. Call. Like they are, because of the higher production as well from these swords, they're, they're sequestering more carbon, but probably more importantly is they're burying this carbon a lot deeper down in the soil so it's it's safer down there I would say it's less there's less chance of it being released back into the atmosphere the deeper it goes so that's uh, another benefit possibly of these of these swords and Kevin I, I know you're a big soil fan Kevin you're into your soil health and the, I make sure the microbiology is good and, and there will be improved microbiology with the different species and I know there's the beetle counts can be a bit higher and also pest control is is improved I think on some of the swords but you mentioned um, dry land, and we're we're in we're based in southeast ourselves. And on a normal year, without drought, a lot of the, some of the farms that I, I work in Waterford, some of the farms are quite free drained soils, very sandy soils. Um, and even on a normal summer, they can get some drought issues. Um, how are you finding it, Kevin? Do you think it's improving your drought situation? You're used to those kind of dry times. I, yeah, it would. It's, well, it will. Uh, like over the winter. Even though it's kind of it's a two-way benefit, um, I suppose over the winter months, uh, like as I said, we we stopped grazing on the eighth of December, we're back out to second of January, like so we like that's just the dairy cows, obviously milkers, um, but um, yeah, we were back out like uh, I was back in I think it was the seventeenth was the multi-species week, Tom was it the seventeenth of January, um, during it that week, and there was a good cover on, like I had recovered, I had grew well over the winter and everything, uh, now Tom wasn't over me favour of me going into it that time because he said I could um, kill out but I came back grand after that anyway but uh, so it's a kind of, I don't know whether that's the fact that there's more drainage as well uh, that there's a bigger root system that just is making more holes in the ground effectively like the worm count has exploded in the swards as well so uh, like I did it last March 12 month and uh, or it was March, April, around there. Uh, just when the war- soil was starting to warm, I got three um, three worms for shovelful. Now, that's the farmer way. Got out with a shovel, not a spade. Uh, but uh, I went out and I did 10 plots around the field just before we sowed it. And uh, it was three worms for shovelful. Um, I did it this March again, and it was 24 was the average on each shovelful. Um, the same time, even though it was a colder spring than uh, last year. Um, so, like, they're obviously they're letting the water down and everything as well. Uh, but I suppose it's going down so far; it's been retained um, to a degree. 
So it's going to help you in the drought with the deeper roots and everything. Um, but yeah, over the winter months, it seemed to grow well here because we're a dry farm as well. So it was a twofold benefit to it. Yeah, and I think it's important to mention, I suppose, you mentioned going out grazing early with legume swars. The percentage of legume is really important if you're looking to reduce your nitrogen. I think we need them up around maybe 40%, Thomas, I think, if I'm right. But I suppose the, if, if you poach them early in the year, you can damage the stolons, which can really reduce your legume persistence so we, we have to bear that in mind especially in the, the more moderately drained soils but Kevin we'll just going back to grazing there a little bit um, I spoke to you this a little bit before it, you if you compare your grazing your monoculture and, and clover your normal grass clover sward compared to multi-species we'd be saying kind of going in around grazing down tight enough to four centimeters you can't really do that with the multi-species much you have to be a bit more mindful of it do you? You can you can do it in odd time you're 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 reserving the root. You will, um, you'll effectively eat it out of it. Uh, that just it can't. If you if you graze it too tight the whole time, it just won't last as long because the reserve is not there for it to get going again. Um, so yeah, we would be we we kind of graze it pretty much the same as like we're we're not a farm for um, going up and the paddock is white after the cows. Um, if there's not a bit of grass left in the paddock, the cows are hungry in my opinion. Uh, now that's just us here, but. Um, the, so we're kind of we treat it the same as the grass paddocks because we don't we wouldn't be we're not uh, how would you say we're not the cows the cows don't graze down as tight on even the grass paddocks here so we're kind of treating the same with other farmers they might have to leave the lads that are, are uh, going by the book who say that are grazing that there's the paddock is white they'll have to get into the mindset that they're going to have to leave a little bit on this um, effectively that they can't graze quite as tight because they'll just it'll, it'll stay coming back for a while but they'll just delete out the reserve eventually. Uh, if I could just go back to what Kevin said there about um, grazing down and leaving a little bit on the field, I wouldn't let that put put people off by having a bit extra. You're not, you won't suffer in terms of the, the amount of grass utilised or whatever because there, there might be, there, there's a good chance that there'll be a higher yield or you'll have more forage in, in the, in the multi-species floor that you graze and so you can afford maybe to leave, to leave a little bit on it. Um, so, so that would be a point there. The multi-species grassland and say the, the dry matter digestibility, the, the value and the intake. Um, are you seeing responses in 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 terms of milk yield, Kevin? Or are you seeing responses in terms of lightweight game um, with the multi-species grasslands? Just from your own experience. Yeah, we only have the milk and cows on it. Uh, Thomas has put sure. beef on it, but I haven't jumped that far yet and keep to the cows so far. Um, the yeah, kind of every time they go in, we would see a liter ahead. Now that's just here because we have um, the collars on the cows and every milk will be recorded and everything that way. But you would see a liter ahead um, when we, every time we're in it. Now there's no scientific nothing behind that. That's just here. <laughs> um, but yeah. uh, that's that's what we're seeing here. That every time we go into the like because a lot of us only established this spring a lot of the ground, so we haven't got that many paddocks of it yet. But you'd know every time they go in, if I commit to the computer after, there, there's a litre uh, more on the computer in the 24 hours. Like They're switching then during um, the season between possibly a monoculture, a ryegrass ward, and to the multi-species. Yeah. Um, so you are seeing um, benefits in terms of the multi-species then with, with yield results. That's excellent. And that's another good Yeah, story, and you see you're finding that as well with the sheep, that there is improved live by gain. And I know Johnson Castle have a trial on the dairy farm up there at the moment. Um, I think they haven't published any results yet, so but I think it's positive so far as well. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out there. I think the animal performance probably is more 
it's more impressive or more obvious with the likes of lambs or, or finishing cattle. I think they're getting maybe finishing animals two weeks earlier, uh, whereas the milk is kind of more steady. But from the milk side of things, you're looking at your inputs maybe and you're you're getting that same production for a lot less, a lot less nitrogen. That's right. And they've done a lot of work in Athen Roy, I think, with sheep and chicory and 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 the multi-species as well. And there's been good results with parasites and that from, from that experiment. Is it that is it is it the herbs or what is it? say Thomas that uh, do they eat a bit more or do they like is it taste or sward or what what is it a lot of people compare it to eating porridge every day to you know how eating <laughs> yeah, cornflakes just, and rice krispies and cocoa pops so a bit of a variety I use the spuds analogy yeah um but uh yeah it's it, it is and like it's not it's not really that new even if you take it back to a grass white clover sward or a grass red clover silage um all the research going back years shows improved um, improved performance uh, higher intakes with when you include legumes in the sward so then you take that a step further and include uh, another plant species like the, the chicory in the plantain chicory in its own right is extremely palatable uh, extremely high intakes on a monoculture chicory so you're just you're tipping it up another bit improving it another little bit so yeah that's it's 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 yeah it's a variety of the spice of life i suppose and it's, it's good for them as it is for us and Kevin, Brilliant. I suppose just to yeah. finish with with a final um, word of wisdom for you, maybe if I'm if you have a farmer at home, listen now, may, maybe not thinking of going down the organic route, just a normal commercial farmer, maybe with a moderate to high stocking rate. Um, do, do you think it can work on their farm? Would you encourage people to use use the multi species words? Um, yeah, it's a kind of like it'd be cautious cautious here, uh, suggesting everybody put in, but. And um, you won't know until you try it. Uh, and that's plain and simple. For me, that's the same with everything. Like we'll try a lot of things here, a lot of different things, and you won't know. Um you won't know if you've tried in your own farm on your own land. Uh like our farm is different to the our farm. Work farm here is different to the to the um farms next door. So like it's it it should work. Uh like as I said, like if you're putting out, or as you said, if you're putting out your uh, P's and K's, um, with hidden things like to help it get rooted and get going, um, it should work. There's no reason it shouldn't, but you won't know unless you try it. Just on, like try an acre, two acres, three acres, try one paddock, that kind of way. Just see how it goes. That's pretty much what I'd be telling. That's anybody ask me, I just tell them try it and see if it works. The grass, the grass and the clover. If you're growing grass and clover already, well, the grass and clover will grow. Right, if your chicken and plantain doesn't come, you still have your grass and clover. Um, so it's not a complete loss or anything. It's just, um, yeah, lads will have to try it. Just like there's, there's no harm in trying things. And by the sounds of you, you're going from 40 acres and maybe possibly the whole farm eventually. So I think um, it's a glowing re- reference from you that it, it is, it's working on your farm. You're, you're working on an intensive dairy farm. Now, in saying that, um, like I'd love to put the whole farm, but like Thomas will uh, go back to it, that I should keep uh, roughly half the farming grass for the spring. Uh, that your grass, that the, the chicory and plantain and them and clovers will be a bit slower in the spring. So keep your uh, grass and clover soars in just for early grazing until the clovers kick in for the for the multi-species. Um, but uh, as I said, it's a dry farm, so we'll put in as much as we can and we'll see how we go. We'll stay going along and just see how we go along. Okay, so it was great getting an insight from an industry perspective and a practical management advice from a user. Um, it's vitally important for farmers to hear how other farmers are managing multi-species swords and the benefits in terms of production, profitability and to the environment. Thanks to Kevin and Thomas for chatting to us today. Thanks a million, lads. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this episode of the Chagas Environment Edge podcast. 
Thanks to Dairy Farm Manager Kevin O'Hanlon and Dr. Thomas Maloney, Product and Technical Manager with DLF Ireland for joining us on the show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Cahal Summers. And I'm Georgia Glenn. Join us next time for the Chagas Environment Edge podcast, Signpost to Farm Sustainability.